48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. The Bar Association says the chief executive fails to allay concerns of the national security law over the city's judicial independence. July, the first rally organiser offers to amend March plan with social distancing measures and organisers of the annual book fair say they won't censor works on sensitive topics. Member of the Bar Association Johnny Marr says the latest comments by the Chief Executive would not help allay concerns over judicial independence. Carrie Lamb said she won't unilaterally pick judges to handle future national security trials, even though a draft law being considered by Beijing gives her such powers. She also dismissed as ignorant suggestions that such powers would undermine judicial independence. Mr Marr disagreed. We believe that the concern is still there because the concern lies, actually, firstly, why it should be done by the chief executive as opposed to within the judiciary, say the chief justice of the court of final appeal or the chief judge of the high court. And, and secondly, uh, even if uh, this designation of the judges were to be done by the chief executive, whether the proposed law will actually lay down any requirements or constraints upon the chief executive's power in designating judges, and if so, what they are. Civil Human Rights Front says it is willing to adopt a raft of social distancing measures if the police allow it to organise its traditional large-scale protests on the 1st of next month. After meeting police, the Front said officers adopted a very passive approach and refused to say what criteria had to be met for the march to go ahead amid a ban on gatherings. The Front's vice convener, Eric Lai, says he's not optimistic about the police's decision. The police officers did not give any professional measures or guidelines in managing the assemblies regarding the COVID-19 situation. All they are saying were both political, and although we have given uh, different proposals out of courtesy on social distancing measures when we hold the crowd, there's no answers from the police officers, and they did not take the guidelines of the hygiene department as a standard. Seven men have been charged with rioting inside the Prince Edward MTR station on August the 31st last year when police stormed the station to arrest protesters. Officers say the suspects are aged between 14 and 29 and they will appear in Kowloon City Court next month. The force said they were among 69 people arrested that day. Some of them also face other charges such as unlawful assembly, criminal damage and assault. High Court has granted social worker Lau Ka Tong bail pending an appeal against his conviction prison sentence for obstructing a police officer during an anti-government protest in Yulong last July. He was jailed for a year last week after the Fanling Magistracy found him guilty of standing in front of a police cordon during a clearance operation. Organisers of next month's book first say they won't censor works on sensitive topics in light of the forthcoming national security law, but they will ask exhibitors to exercise self-discipline. The first starts on the 15th of next month, and it's not clear whether Beijing's new legislation for the SAR will be in place by then. Benjamin Chow, Deputy Executive Director of the organiser, the Trade Development Council, had this to say when asked what would be done about books that are deemed to be illegal. Talking about the national security rule, actually uh, here I would like to remind all publishers, all exhibitors to participate in our book fair in a lawful manner, meaning that they have to work in accordance to Hong Kong law. 
Health officials say a 72-year-old man has died of coronavirus in Hong Kong. The patient was admitted to the Prince of Wales Hospital about three weeks ago with no symptoms. His condition deteriorated on June the 10th and he was placed on life support. He's the sixth person to die of COVID-19 in the SAR. Centre for Health Protection says 16 people were confirmed as having the virus in the SAR today. All of them had recently returned from Pakistan. The police say they've arrested a jobless man and a student on suspicion of laundering $360 million through, a pers- through personal bank accounts. They've frozen $500,000 in the accounts of the 32-year-old man and the 22-year-old woman who live together in Chern Quan O. The offences happened between October and May, but police aren't linking the case to the anti-extradition movement. Detective Senior Inspector Chow Wing Ka said they were still investigating. Some money is deposited to the accounts, and they just usually withdraw the account and then transfer out from the account. So uh, for the uh, in-depth investigation, we are still ongoing. So at this moment, I uh, cannot tell you more detail on it. The purpose of collecting money is one of our focus on these cases. So we are still under investigation why there's so many money uh, being laundered. So uh, at this moment, I cannot tell the detail. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says pubs, restaurants, cinemas and museums in England will be allowed to reopen from July the 4th following the coronavirus lockdown. He told Parliament that the two metres social distancing rule will be reduced to one metre when necessary. Mr Johnson urged businesses to mitigate the risk of spreading COVID-19. Today we can say that our long national hibernation is beginning to come to an end and life is returning to our streets and to our shops. The bustle is starting to come back and a new but cautious optimism is palpable. But I must say to the House it would be all too easy for that frost to return. The men's world number one tennis player Novak Djokovic has tested positive for COVID-19. It follows a tournament in Croatia and Serbia this month organised by Djokovic, who's opposed to vaccinations. BBC's Alex Kapstick has the details. Novak Djokovic is back home in Belgrade, where it is revealed he has caught the virus, although a statement says he's not showing any symptoms. He's the third top player who took part in the regional tournament to test positive for COVID. Djokovic has been heavily criticised for staging an event that ignored social distancing. There were packed crowds with players in close contact on and off the court. It's in stark contrast to other sports like football and soon cricket when England take on the West Indies in a test series where biosecure venues have been created. There will also be strict measures in place when the professional tennis tour resumes in August. Italian police have made dozens of arrests in a series of dawn raids against two powerful mafia clans in Sicily. 50 people were arrested in Catania. The operation targeted an infamous clan, Capello Bonacorsi, whose leader is already serving a life sentence in prison. A mafia boss who was previously jailed for extortion was among 10 more people arrested in Palermo. China has successfully put into orbit the final satellite of its Beidou navigation network, rivals to the US-owned Global Positioning System, or GPS. The mission was originally set for last Tuesday, but was cancelled at the last minute due to technical problems detected during pre-launch tests of the Long March 3B carrier rocket. The Beidou 3 satellite is the 35th and final satellite of the Chinese navigation system, an estimated 10 billion US dollar project meant to be Beijing's answer to GPS. 
Beijing has responded to White House trade adviser Peter Navarro's claims about the trade deal the U.S. signed with China with disdain. Mr. Navarro had told a U.S. television network that the deal is over a comment he late is that that the deal is over, a comment he later backtracked on and said he'd been widely taken out of context. President Trump also tweeted that the deal was still fully intact. At a news conference in Beijing, Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian said Mr. Navarro did not know what he was talking about. The American politician's statement you mentioned here is complete nonsense and ridiculous. He has a habit of talking through his hat. He has nothing to say about the Sino-US economic and trade agreement you mentioned. China's position on this is clear. Chinese and Indian military commanders have agreed to disengage forces facing off over a disputed stretch of border, where a clash last week left 20 Indian soldiers dead. Speaking in Beijing, Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian said the two sides had agreed to take measures to ease tensions. He also described recent media reports of 40 Chinese casualties in the clash as fake news. China has not disclosed how many casualties it suffered in the fighting. Tight restrictions have been put in place for a high-profile religious festival held by Hindu priests in the Indian state of Odisha because of concerns about the spread of coronavirus. BBC's Jill McGivering reports. The Ratiatra is usually a major festival. Tens of thousands of people crowd the streets to watch the giant statues of Hindu deities taken from the temple. But this year, no more than 500 people were allowed to pull each chariot, and officials said they'd all tested negative for the coronavirus. Last week, the Supreme Court had banned the festival because of concerns about the virus. But on Monday, the state authorities, supported by central government, managed to overturn the ban, arguing that it was a matter of faith for millions of people. The Philippine Health Ministry has reported 1,150 additional cases of the novel coronavirus, the country's biggest single-day increase in infections. In a bulletin, the ministry said total cases have reached 31,825, while deaths have increased by nine to 1,186. RTHK's Manila correspondent Alan Robles said the spike in new cases might have to do with the easing of coronavirus measures. The country, or rather Metro Manila, is on the 98th day of probably the most drastic quarantine in the world. Uh, businesses closed, shops closed, no transport. House in imprisonment virtually for the population, checkpoints, curfew, and yet it doesn't seem to have done anything. Uh, critics say the government missed the bus, that it should have uh, early on imposed a quarantine, engaged in a massive testing effort, and blocked travel from China. Singapore Prime Minister Lee Sin Lung has called for new elections to seek a new mandate during the coronavirus pandemic. In a televised speech, he said an election now, when things are relatively stable, will give the new government a fresh full five-year mandate. The announcement comes days after Singapore lifted most virus restrictions. He said he decided to hold elections now because there is no assurance the pandemic will end by next April when the current government's term ends. The former chief executive of the embattled German financial technology group Wirecard has been arrested. Marcus Brown resigned last week and the company whose business includes processing credit card payments subsequently said that more than two billion US dollars missing from its accounts probably never existed. BBC's Andrew Walker reports. 
The German prosecutor said that Marcus Brown had voluntarily presented himself after a warrant was issued for his arrest on suspicion of manipulating financial markets by overstating the company's revenue and assets. Wirecard has had to acknowledge that money that was supposed to have been in accounts in the Philippines for the management of its Asian business was simply not there. Although the Financial Times raised questions about the company's accounts last year, the concerns have really hit its standing with investors in the last few days, with the share price falling more than 80% in less than a week. Sport first to the English Premier League, where second place Manchester City continue to delay Liverpool's title celebrations. Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez each, sco- each had two goals in City's 5-0 demolition of Burnley. The BBC's John Murray reports. Another one of those Manchester City victory processions. Pep Guardiola rotated almost his whole team. Eight changes tonight. And Phil Foden, who scored the third against Arsenal on Wednesday, was one of those who came in and scored the first and fifth tonight. There were two goals for Riyad Mahrez as well. The first, a dazzling run and finish. Uh, His second, a VAR awarded penalty. Uh, Aguero was injured in the challenge, incidentally. So 3-0 at halftime. David Silva slid in the fourth, his first goal since October. October, Foden and Bernardo Silva involved in that. So City, yes, making a very strong restart. 3-0 against Arsenal, 5-0 against Burnley here. And it does mean that Liverpool cannot clinch the title on Wednesday night at Anfield. It will go beyond Wednesday. Just before kick-off, an aircraft flew over the Etihad Stadium carrying the message, White Lives Matter Burnley. It circled the ground moments after players had taken a knee in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Burnley have strongly condemned those responsible for the act. Captain Ben Mee says it's an embarrassment for the club. Um, I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed to, um, that a small number of our fans have, have uh, decided to, to put that around the stadium. Um, completely missed the point. Um, a group of lads in there are, are embarrassed to, you know, to see that and it's not what, what we're about at all. Um, missed the point of the whole thing that we're trying to, trying to achieve, trying to do. I think these people that need to need to come into the 21st century and and educate themselves and you know as, as a lot of us do and it's a small minority of people and uh, yeah I'm really upset that, that that happened. Former world number one tennis player Andy Murray says he wants to play the U.S. Open and French Open later this year, provided the Grand Slams are safe. The three-time major winner has been recovering from a hip problem and will play his first match in seven months at an exhibition event this week. Murray says he has concerns about how safety procedures at the US Open will be policed. For me, it's just it's more about the, you know, the safety and also in in a bubble. If that's what people are doing, you know, what is the what's the punishment for people that are not sticking to the rules that are put in place? Because you know, imagine a situation where you are in the latter stage of the US Open, but because somebody's gone out with that bubble and, and broken those rules and gone into Manhattan or done something they shouldn't have been doing, um, and you then contract the virus and are then not able to compete, you know, in the quarters and semis of the US Open or something, you know, it'd be extremely frustrating. So how they police that, I, I don't know exactly how they would how they would go about it. Mind of our top stories tonight, the Bar Association says the chief executive fails to allay concerns about the national security law about, and the city's judicial independence. July the 1st rally organiser offers to amend its March plan with social distancing measures and organisers of the annual book fair say they won't censor works on sensitive topics. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3
It's time now to good stories covered in this evening's user app programme. The chief executive has said she won't unilaterally pick judges to handle future national security trials, even though a draft law being considered by Beijing gives her such powers. Carrie Lam says she'll instead take advice from the chief justice on selecting a pool of judges to handle such cases. She also accused those who've expressed concerns about her power to choose judges of being ignorant. Bar Association member Johnny Marr told Jim Gould that the CE's comments didn't help allay concerns over judicial independence. We believe that the concern is still there because the concern lies actually firstly why it should be done by the chief executive as opposed to within the judiciary, say the chief justice of the Court of Final Appeal or the chief judge of the High Court. And and secondly, uh, even if uh, this designation of the judges were to be done by the chief executive, whether the proposed law will actually lay down any requirements or constraints upon the chief executive's power in designating judges. If so, what they are. The explanatory note uh, issued uh, over the weekend is completely silent on this because the the explanatory note itself uh, simply says that uh, the chief executive will be given the power to designate judges. Uh, Also, the draft bill uh, is still kept confidential even up to now. So nobody is able to actually see the perpetual provisions of the proposed law, whether or not there will any be requirements or constraints laid down. Uh, The issue is yes. So, so how about what she said about her creating a pool of judges and then the judiciary would then appoint the judges to specific cases? That does not uh, alleviate, alleviate uh, the concern because uh, even if uh, the, the chief executive were just to impanel uh, 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 certain judges within uh, the list so that uh, it's then up to the judiciary to, to uh, assign judges from that list to hear the particular case. The, the very first step is actually done by the chief executive and, and, and one back actually begs the question how the chief executive is going to designate uh, those judges uh, to impanel the list. She seemed to confirm that foreign judges would not be banned from hearing such cases. Uh, is that reassuring in any way? The nationality of the judges uh, to be selected uh, into that particularly is just one facet of the of the question, because the main concern actually lies in giving the power to the chief executive to select judges uh, to hear these sort of cases. Um, so uh, the criteria, if any, by which the chief executive uh, were to add upon in designating the judges, uh, whether or not it depends on nationality or otherwise, are simply unknown. And what do you make of her statement that she understands that the legislation won't be retrospective? Uh, of course, I mean, we, we in Hong Kong, we, we abide by the law and we are governed by the law. Uh, we are not actually uh, governed by a statement uh, to be made by the government official as to what she understands uh, the law should be. Uh, if that's actually the legal position, one would expect that it is better written into the law itself. The explanatory note does not expressly say so. Talking about the appointment of judges, I mean, is it appropriate for the chief executive to compare her selection of judges uh, for national security cases to her appointment of judges to tribunals and courts, such as the Lands Tribunal? Uh, it's always important to actually go to the particular ordinance in question to see how uh, the chief executive uh, under that particular ordinance is given any particular power or, or function uh, insofar as the nomination or designation of a particular judge is concerned. As far as the land tribunal is concerned, uh, uh, the, land tri- uh, uh, the, the appointment of the judges are uh, still uh, with the recommendation uh, of uh, the, uh, the judicial of uh, recommendation of the committee commission. Uh, she called her critics ignorant. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, I, 
believe that it is actually not conducive to the discussion to to resort to any um, emotional languages here. We we are just trying to state our concern from the, the professional and legal perspective. Um, it is always uh, our concern to to have sight of the actual uh, draft bill so that we can actually come on the provisions. Unless and until the draft bill is disclosed, we are actually trying our best to uh, uh, raise whatever concern we can see from a professional perspective based on an explanatory note uh, issued over the weekend. Animal welfare organisations say they've uncovered serious food safety risks and extreme animal cruelty at farms that supply eggs from hens confined to battery cages to local supermarket chains, Welcome and Marketplace. The group say the supermarket's parent company, Dairy Farm, should follow the example of other multinational retailers by committing to ending the sale of these eggs in their stores, Richard Pine reports. Video footage released by the Consumer and Animal Protection Group's Equitas and Lever Foundation shows endless rows of caged chickens with hens and their eggs covered in filth. Food safety risks are also heightened by the sight of wild birds also flying through the farms, which the groups say could lead to the spread of avian flu. The groups emphasize the dangers by citing a European Food Safety Authority study from 2007, which found that the risk of salmonella contamination in cage eggs is up to 33 times greater. Beyond those concerns, there are also long-standing animal welfare issues. The hens are packed so tightly in metal crates that they can barely move or spread their wings. The feathers of some hens have been scraped off because they are rubbing against cage bars, while others supposedly have foot problems from spending all their time on wire floors. A campaign manager at Equitas, Bonnie Tang, says the video footage comes from five farms in Taiwan, Singapore and Australia over the past 18 months. They all supply eggs to the dairy farm supermarkets, Welcome and Marketplace, in Hong Kong and Taiwan. The customers have a right to know what they are buying, and then you see other supermarkets, they have already committed to only sell cage-free egg in their stores. So I think the Hong Kong customers, they also have the rights, and they should also enjoy buying cage-free eggs in the supermarkets without like thinking too much and checking all kinds of labels in different kinds of egg products. A program manager with the Lever Foundation, Lily Che, says they conducted a market survey to see where multinational companies in Asia stand on this issue. She says Dairy Farm ranked last in their list of major retailers because other supermarkets have public commitments to go completely cage-free. For Dairy Farm, they rank last is because they are large enough to be included, but they are not having 100% cage-free eggs commitment covering their Asia market except the upscale stores in Asia only. In its latest annual report, Dairy Farm says it committed to having its own brand eggs be from cage-free sources by 2025 in Taiwan and for all its upscale food businesses to follow suit by 2028. But Ms. Jia says that's nearly meaningless and would cover only a tiny fraction of the eggs they sell. Dairy Farm has also recently announced a collaboration with Humane Society International to strengthen its supply chain for animal products. This will include expanding its network of certified suppliers and deeper engagement with farmers so customers are provided with higher welfare food. RTHK has also reached out to Dairy Farm for comment on the allegations made in the Equitas and Lever Foundation report. A group of restaurant owners and employees have complained about what they see as a loophole that deprives them of government coronavirus relief. As Jimmy Choi tells us, it has to do with who's the licensee of the business.
Mr. Chu is the owner of two Chinese restaurants. He says business has suffered in recent months, affecting dozens of employees and their families. Mr. Chu says he applied for the first round of the anti-pandemic fund with the help of a longtime friend who's the licensee of the two restaurants but doesn't run them. But he says the licensee pocketed $300,000 out of the $400,000 government subsidy for the two eateries. He sought help with the government, but to no avail. Mr. Chu blamed the loophole that allows the licensees to be entitled to the subsidy. Mr. Kong, whose restaurant folded in April, said its previous owner, who still holds the license, pocketed an $80,000 subsidy under the government's first relief package. After he failed to get any help from the government, he said he had no choice but to shut down his business. Democratic Party lawmaker Helena Wong, who's been helping a group of restaurant owners, says it's common for owners of smaller restaurants not to become the licensee when they take over a business because of what they see as difficult and time-consuming application procedures. She's urged the government to plug the loophole before making a second round of payment of up to $2.2 million per restaurant. We urge the government to fix this loophole so that for this second round of funding application that both the licensee as well as the operator, they can also apply for this funding so that the funding allocated to help those who are in need can actually get the assistance. These restaurant owners have also urged the government to allow them to use their business registration certificates to apply for the relief handout. They say if both the licensee and the restaurant operator apply for the money, the government should give it to the ones who provide proof that they are indeed the owners, such as records of wage payment or leases. Organisers of the book fair say they expect exhibitors to exercise self-discipline as the looming national security law casts a shadow over what can or cannot be sold at the event next month. As Joanne Wong reports, social distancing measures will also be in place amid the coronavirus pandemic. The annual book fair next month is expected to be the first large-scale exhibition since the coronavirus pandemic forced the cancellation and rescheduling of events. While expressing their excitement that the fair can start as scheduled on the 15th of next month, Organizers are also mindful of virus concerns. The Trade Development Council is urging all visitors to sanitize their hands every time they flick through a book. Guests will also be required to wear a face mask at all times and go through temperature screening. And to help keep visitors separated, there will be discounted night admission tickets and a two-time re-entry promotion for some regular-priced ticket holders. Deputy Executive Director of the TDC, Benjamin Chow, acknowledged the turnout this year will be down slightly. In the past, normally the book fair will attract a million people, including 10% coming from outside. But we all understand that now we still have the quarantine arrangement for people coming from overseas or from mainland. They have to be quarantined for 14 days. So I would expect we will at least eliminate that 10%. And based on the current situation, many people actually are too poor being stayed at home for so many months and they are very keen to come back and to consume. We noticed that in the restaurant, they are always full house. So I would expect there will be good turnout for the book fair. Asked if politically sensitive books will be screened out, Mr. Chow says the Trade Development Council won't be censoring publications on display. But he also urged participants to exercise self-discipline. Talking about the national security rule, actually uh, here I would like to remind all publishers, all exhibitors 
to participate in our book fair in a lawful manner, meaning that they have to work in accordance to Hong Kong law. He also sidestepped questions on what they would do if books deemed illegal are found at the fair. The fair will end on the 21st of next month. The Philippine Health Ministry has reported 1,150 additional cases of the novel coronavirus, the country's biggest single-day increase in infections. In a bulletin, the ministry said total cases have reached 31,825, while deaths have increased by 9 to 1,186. Anna-Marie Evans asked our Manila correspondent, Alan Robles, if the spike in new cases had to do with the reopening of the country. Well, you see, it's like this. If you were to listen to the government, they would try to tell you the situation is under control or manageable. If you were to talk to the citizens, they would have no idea where we are right now. Uh, Okay, uh, the country, or rather Metro Manila, is on the 98th day of probably the most drastic quarantine in the world. Uh, Businesses closed, shops closed, no transport. House in imprisonment virtually for the population, checkpoints, curfew, and yet it doesn't seem to have done anything. Uh, Critics say the government missed the bus, that it should have uh, early on imposed a quarantine engage in a massive testing effort and block travel from China. By the way, it still hasn't blocked travel from China. So we don't know where we are. Are we on the second wave? And the government three weeks ago eased up on the quarantine, but it's still in effect. And technically, Manila is supposed to be cut off from the provinces. You can't travel out of Manila. And to get around in Manila, you need passes and permits and IDs. But if you were to go out on the street, and I didn't actually do that, I looked at the pictures, and you looked at our avenues, you would see jam-packed crowds and uh, people waiting for buses and transport, which aren't in enough numbers. And you'd see traffic jams reminiscent of uh, the normal quote-unquote times. So uh, people are asking, what was it all for when we still have these massive numbers and we don't know where we are? So you're saying that they're still allowing international flights in? Uh, There are some international flights being allowed in. And some people say that the flights from China never really actually stopped. They were coming in even throughout the quarantine. The only flights that have been definitely coming in are those bringing in Filipinos from other countries, uh, Filipinos who have been uh, rendered jobless because of the pandemic. And that's another problem. These are supposed to be the support of our country, and yet they have lost their jobs and they're coming in. And the government doesn't know how to take care of them. They're testing them, and then they're putting them up in hotels and in other places here. But then the tests are too low, and some of them can't get to the provinces precisely because of the quarantine restrictions. So they're becoming more and more, uh, they're, they're protesting about this state. Those stories are part of the news wrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Robert Kemp from our newsroom. The Education Bureau has launched the EAP online application system for this year's Hong Kong Diploma of Secondary Education Examination candidates. Students can lodge advance applications for sub-degree and undergraduate degree programs not covered by the Joint University Programs Admissions System. Applicants do not have to notify the institutions of their examination results in person please visit www.eap.gov.hk on or before July 13th. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember.
Oh, the computer, computer world. <laughs> Sometimes pretty stubborn. Nostalgia with Ray Cudero all the way to 1 a.m. That was a student Prince Serenade, played by Mantovani. I 